It goes something, something, something. Can't remember nothing. Yo, welcome to another episode of Helping Homies Win, the podcast. To us for listening to Generation, I am Antonio J. Bell. And it's your boy, T. Rouse. Your boy, Ashford Ball, in the building. In the building. He wasn't even going to wait for his interjection. He's like, no, nah, I'm going like, to go ahead and let y'all know who I, I, I am. Know I'm here, you feel me? It's the homie, Ashford Ball. Um, me and Ashford go back, bro. How long have we known each other? Ten, ten years. years. That don't make no yeah, type of sense. Ten years. Started at Cal Poly together, Cal Poly Pomona. Um, my brother from 5710. Yes, sir. AKA 57X, AKA The Drive. All that. Did y'all ever, y'all, I'm speaking about myself in a third third person. Uh, did you ever talk about 5710 on air? What is 5710? 5710, um, it was actually part of the address where we used to live. We all rented out a house in yeah, uh, yeah. Eastvale, California. Yes, uh, about 30 minutes, 20 minutes east of where we went to school. Uh, it was about one, two, three, four, five, six-bedroom place. Yes, sir. Mm. Um, yep. It was five of us that lived there. You can add a couple more because, you know, the homies is homies. Um, that, was the, that was the address, and we kind of turned it into, like, this 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 conglomerate of events and <laughs> kickbacks and late-night turnups. Canoe <laughs> Drive. First party we ever had. Was um, Martin Luther King Day weekend? We threw a kickback randomly. What year is this? This is ooh, 2011. 2011. Okay. Threw a kickback randomly. Literally, it's probably about six o'clock. Cats start talking like, "Yo, we should throw a kickback." Yeah, we should. Why not? Everybody starts hitting up people. Next thing we know, probably a hundred people. Really. And within probably about like nine o'clock, three hours is at the crib. Yeah. At the no crib. No lie. After that, cats were just broke. We start. We got to a point to where we were stealing food from each other, right? Stealing food. Like I wasn't Tarek. stealing food from nobody. Well, I was about to say Tarek actually had all the food. We were stealing <laughs> food from Tarek. Disrespectful. <laughs> um, and in order for us to get money, we were like, "Yo, we threw that kickback, mm -hmm. and that was successful and easy. We could do a party, and we could charge cats. It was like three dollars so, so, to so get in." <clears throat> Y'all was throwing functions as a way to make income to, to supplement yourselves as college students. So we can eat, bro. Correct. So Crazy. we can eat. Through parties to eat. Yeah. Right. Literally. Just to eat. Literally. Right. That's wild. Um, yeah. Made our first profits, and then after that, it was history. We start, kept doing parties at the crib. Crib started to get beat up. And we were like, yo, we, we can't keep we That can't crib keep was doing demolished, boy. <laughs> carpet was black. Carpet was black. Listen, carpet, I ain't never seen no black carpet, brother. <laughs> Carpet was done for. Then we started doing venues. Mm. Uh, Elks Lodge. Um, what's the the oh, I remember. Yeah, all those. Um, yeah. Elks Lodge, Margarita Jones. Margarita Jones. Margarita Jones. And then after that. I had that, a very impoli impolitically correct joke, but I, I can't make it anymore because it's 2019. Oh, continue. no, I want to hear it, though. I can't say it. Yeah, no, he's not, he can't I'm say not going to do that. Go <laughs> okay. ahead. So you said Elks Lodge. I was, <laughs> at, was I at late night detention, one or two? I think you were at the. Or was I at one and two? I think you were at. I don't know which one it was. I know I went to two of y'all parties. Y'all threw three late night detentions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, I we talked about this, right? That's how I met you was through yeah. late night detention. Late night detention. Oh, it was the first one. It was the first one. That was the first one. Because my number was on that flyer. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But your number wasn't even first, I don't think. I don't know it why wasn't. I picked yours. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Probably because it was 310. That's typically oh, what hit me yeah, up yeah, my yeah. number was the 310 100%. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. 909. That makes sense. Shout out to the IE. I mean, what out. is this, Vegas? Is Vegas numbers? I remember the first time I met Antonio Bell. 
What was that? I shit? remember that. I don't remember. We went. We went to uh, Phil's Phil's house party. You remember Phil's house in party in L.A. in Inglewood? No, in in Pomona. Phil's oh house wait, party. Yeah. was that the one where the, the helicopter was out? I yes, we met before that. I think that's when my car got towed. That was, that was the same night, night my car got stopped. Yes. Bro, that was the first no, time no, no. we got into that an argument, a, I think, yeah, right? That was yeah, the first yeah. night that I met you. At least that I remember. Really? It. I, I remember it being that. I remember we almost got into an altercation with this dude. Outside of the remember, function. Right. Yep. But I, I remember thinking, I don't know you that well, but because he rolled it with Tarek, I got his back. What happened? So, who, I don't know. Some dude came out and kind of was just talking mess. He's drunk. Yeah. I think he maybe even tried to bump it to you. I think you might have low key been like spitting at his girl. I don't oh. even know. You probably. <laughs> I, mean, I think that might have been what what was taking place. Obviously, you didn't know he, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think he got upset, kind of tried to start talking mess. Me and Tarek come out, roll up, and the altercation's kind of ending. Yeah. But I feel as if he saw that you kind of had people with you. Yeah. But then you was already kind of like letting them know, you know, like I ain't nobody to mess with either. And then he kind of just dipped, dipped out and left after that. I remember I that Because we were on the way out. Yeah. yeah. And that was before the helicopter came. Yeah. yeah. Right. A yeah. little bit before. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. Vaguely. So your car got towed that night. That night. So I remember we pulled up at a couple of the homies' spots. Yeah. I was like, who, who, don't say the name. I, don't, well, actually, I, I, I didn't remember the name until <laughs> after I didn't say it. But we pulled up a couple of the homies' spot, and I remember your car got towed. But why did we get into it, though? I don't, because so, so... <laughs> <laughs> we walk. We walked into the crib across the street yeah. to go use the restroom. Oh, Came back God. out maybe within five minutes, and the whip was gone. Yeah, and I'm like, nah, I'm about to get the whip. It's late, probably like two o'clock, and I'm like, nah, bro. Like, oh, and he was like, oh no, Shorty can come pick us up. I'm like, nah, bro, we oh. about to get the whip right now. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He said, bro, trust me. You're not going to be able to get the whip till 8 o'clock in the morning. We can shoot back to the city. Yeah, and yeah. We can push back out in the I morning. Remember. Why do I feel like I was there when y'all start arguing? You probably, you I probably were there. I, think I we're remember already there. I remember that. I yeah, because and, and Shorty, that. my girl at the time, Paige, yeah. which is oh, like, now it. my, my yeah, daughter's mom. Right. Yeah. yeah, I remember because yeah. I was like, I, I was like, I knew it was gonna be an issue if I stayed over there. That's mm. what it was. I knew it was gonna be an issue. So it was but a I didn't bad feel look for him. But I didn't feel right leaving you like stranded. Like yeah. I'm gonna go yeah. home and you gonna well, just like brother, have to figure it out. I wasn't gonna be stranded, brother. No, but I knew it was gonna be a bad look. So I remember that, and you was just on some like, nah, bro, we gonna we good, blah blah blah. And I think we was a little turnt too. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. For sure. That's Most funny, definitely. bro. I, I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, man. Good time. That's sad that we gotta like we gotta, we have to like days. come together to remember like like stories of our lives. Yeah. That's trash. That's what it is. Now. <laughs> That's just what it That's is. That's how you know we're getting older. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Reminiscent. I guess I so. Tarek today uh, posted. Uh, he posted. I got a new printer. <laughs> I commented on the post and said, "That's a good look." The other homie commented before I did to him and said, bro, we getting old. We getting old. Cass is happy about printers and new dishes. Bro, hey, bro, I was, I've was i never been more happy than when I got a uh, washer dryer unit in my apartment. A washer dryer? Oh, bro, that, that's bro. a game changer. Yeah, that's a bro, game and I was, I was juiced, bro. Going on. That's huge. Bro, I was. I hope that happens in my apartment. <laughs> they, need to, they need to get with your apartment company and go ahead and have a conversation. Man. You, you, you got it, brother? You awake? Oh, Y'all wonder what I'm talking about. Terrence alarm went off at like 10 o'clock at night. I don't understand what where he's going. I gotta take my pills. Oh. <laughs> no, that was a joke. That was a joke. I ain't got no pills to take. <laughs> oh, oh my god. How y'all doing, man? What's happening? I'm doing good, man. I'm feeling good, doing good. You know, couldn't be better. Yeah. Mindset is right. I feel like I'm focused. How's your mind? Bro? Where, where your mind at? Where's your mind at? I'm I'm highly focused. I'm highly motivated. Um. 
I feel like I'm putting myself back into a good place of equilibrium balance of mm. like spiritual, mental, uh, health, uh, where my work ethic is, goals. So I feel like I'm balancing back out because I wasn't, I was super out of balance maybe like months ago, you know, so it's it's getting better. Can you give a little bit of background of like just the type of work that you don't want that to define you too much, but yeah. just like the type of work that you're in. Of course. Because uh, just, just, as people listen, I think it's good to know just the homies that are, that are here with us. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I I, I uh, do supply. I'm in supply chain business. Uh, supply chain is the business of logistics and uh, distribution, specifically products. Mm-hmm. I work for Amazon um, at the fulfillment center. So. I'm in charge of making sure that all of the customer shipments and everything uh, gets out to the customer by a specific time in order for us to avoid uh, not being able to get it out to them and have to end up increasing uh, shipping costs. So this is literally like (coughs) if I go online right now to Amazon, I go buy um, a new lens for my camera. You know, a box of drawers and some toilet paper. Yeah, I could look up your order and see what fulfillment center is going to go to okay yeah okay and i can see when it's going to get to you and yeah. when it's supposed to get out to you yep for sure Some serious stuff and, and your background is what did you study i studied uh industrial engineering at cal poly pomona okay. university i only say that because go broncos for me i always hear engineering but i have no idea what engineering really is what right. it looks like in the real workforce mm-hmm. so for you to kind of talk about supply and fulfillment it's just can like, i ask a quick question before we, we do that yeah real quick yeah do you know anything about this zero dollars in taxes on 11 billion dollars in profit how does that work with the uh, Amazon? Yes. Wait, wait. Explain Explain that. I haven't heard about that. Explain so that to me. Amazon is going to pay $0 in federal tax on $11.2 billion in profit. I just thought because wow. you worked there, you might know a little. I have not heard of that. It. The only thing, the last thing I heard about uh, Bezos is two things. One, we were no longer going to put our headquarters in New York. And two, you know, he had the divorce from his wife. Mm. And now he has a, a mist- or mistress, another girl or something like that. Okay. We'll pay zero. I don't know how you swung that. That's yeah. I'm just curious. I've been seeing those headlines and they're like legit. Wow. And I'm just shook. Is that that's real too? Yes. So that's a great question you just Mm -hmm. asked. That's real too because I'm gonna be real. When I see headlines online, Mm -hmm. even if it's you know a website that posts a lot of articles. I'm super hesitant to even believe it. Like I read it, even I'm if like, it's coming from a credible source, Yahoo, CNBC, source, MSN, bro, I question CNN. it. Really? I saw something recently, something simple as uh, Jaden Smith and their Just Water campaign is donating water to Flint, Michigan. I saw that and too. And I looked at it, and there was no link or anything, but I still questioned it. Like, is this real, or is this just an right. opportunity for us to, you know, say, "Oh, look, black excellence," which I'm not against in any way, yeah. right? But it just made me think, okay, well, like, I want to see a little bit more about it just mm. because I feel, I, like, I question everything. That's just the one example that I would think I should be more open to accept right off the bat. Mm. But I realized my hesitation and even, like, wanting to repost it because I got to check it out first. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah Do you yeah. know what that skepticism is rooted in or is it just part of your, your makeup? Because I'm a skeptic as well. Yeah. But I, I haven't really th- This has just developed over the recent years, bro. This okay. isn't even on some like, oh, I, I never believe anything I read. But just as of late, I just yeah. feel like uh, these outlets and just people in Do general. Do you not believe it or is it mm-hmm. that you're challenging it? Mm, that's a good question. That's a great question. That is yeah. a great question. That's a great question. Not that I don't believe. I'm more so challenging it. Like, I'm going to wait till I get my facts straight yeah, before yeah. I want to spespeak on it, before yeah. I promote it. I'm going to do my due diligence to yeah. do the research. Before yeah. I put it out there. Because actually, one mm-hmm. of the homegirls posted something 
maybe three weeks ago. And it was a CNN article, and it said something. I forgot. I really wish I knew what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And she didn't have a link. So I went to Google. I typed in CNN. I typed in the article, the, the titles. I searched. Nothing popped up. Mm. And I went back to it, and I saw, like, who the author was. And I typed in, like, the person who wrote the article. Nothing popped up. Then I did another <coughs> Google search, went through a couple of pages, still didn't find anything. And I hit her back because she just posted like minutes ago. Yeah. I'm like, yo, like, um, do you have a link to this? I just searched for it. I couldn't find it. She's like, oh, for real? And then next thing I know, she pulled it down. Mm. But that quick, it could have just uh, been a like, oh, snap, that's crazy. I would have yeah. reposted it from her. Yeah. But There's so much propaganda. <sighs> we live in a society full of just propaganda all over the place. Yeah. From headlines to, to visuals of whatever it is clicks, scrolls, whatever it is that you can do that will allow you to feel self-gratification on a constant basis is, is wild. Yeah. So I, I understand the skepticism. I'm not a skeptic myself. I'm actually, actually, I would say I'm more like a gullible person, unfortunately. You know, it's funny. That word's <laughs> yeah. not even in the dictionary. Gullible. Yeah. Really? It's yeah. not. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's not in the dictionary. I did not know that. Now I'm playing with y'all. That was to show how gullible <laughs> y'all are. <laughs> <laughs> I see, see. Mm, fact, really? See, but that, really? Proves, that proves how gullible I am. I almost, I almost believe that. I almost believe that. I'm mean, so serious. See? We but, can run the tape back. It looks like you did. I wish I was more like that. I wish I was more skeptic and that I would question and challenge more things like that. I feel like often if I see a headline like that, I'd be like, oh, that. Because I saw that same headline. And you know what's funny? You know what I thought? Oh, wow. Jada's like really doing work. And I kept scrolling. <laughs> 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 I saw that, though. I probably should go look that headline up, honestly, because I really do rock with the Smiths. And if they're looking for another child, I will gladly. Sidebar: Did y'all see that Jordan about another child? Y'all seen that Jordan Woods uh, Red Table Talk? I did. What you think about it? Um, man, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't. I didn't believe her. You didn't believe her? No. I was talking to my girlfriend, actually, and that was one of the first things I said. I said, you know what? I, I honestly think that she has so much reason to tell a, a lie, like to, to not tell the truth in regards to what took place because of her perception, because of what it can make her look like, because of who it's associated with, that I feel as if the platform to be able to do it was a good scenario for her. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I kind of didn't really feel as though it was genuine. I feel like she just got real emotional. But I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know and I don't like keep up with the Kardashians like that. Yeah. No pun intended. So I really don't have a dog in the fight. So I kind of don't care to mm. be really real. OK. Um, But I watched it. Um, It felt. I mean, I don't know. I mean. The fact that she gave up so much information that she didn't have to. You know, see, I feel similar. It's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, her sitting in his lap and the kiss and all that other stuff. She had to sit in there. She didn't have to do red table talk. You know what I mean? So for her to incriminate herself in that way is interesting. Yep. Um, which would normally lead me to believe someone's telling the truth. But again, I don't really care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, uh, I haven't really kept too much up. What's up, bro? Um, I watched it as well. Okay. And <laughs> one thing I didn't notice about Red Table Talk is that they do a lot of editing. Yeah. And watching previous episodes. So a lot of the context I feel um, is removed. Not a lot of the context, but they kind of just keep what they feel like gets the point across because it's on Facebook mm-hmm. Watch or whatever it's called, Facebook Video. Yeah. So Facebook. it's not a typical platform where it can live online for, you know, an hour. Technically it could, but right now the platform just lives for like 30 minutes, for those episodes. Um, so if you even look at it, there's <coughs> moments where her, she's like getting emotional and the next minute it cuts and she's like regular, like stale-faced almost. Right. 
you know, so I'm, I'm cutting a little slack in that area because my immediate first thought was, mm, she's not telling the full story, you know, and I don't like the fact that that's immediately where my mind went. Yeah. But I had to realize that a lot of that was attributed to the fact that I wish there was more detail. Yeah. And I don't know much about the story. That right. was my first time even knowing the situation. Oh, you didn't know. I knew to. nothing about oh, it. Okay. You know, I saw that she was <coughs> trending, but, you know, right. Kardashian, they always trending like she's part of that clan. Right. Yeah. So, that makes sense. Probably wasn't a good choice of words to say clan. But, um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. So, um, I do agree with Tony, though, as far as, like, a lot of the stuff that she revealed. Yeah. Uh, she accepted responsibility. So, I feel like there are probably are some other specifics that aren't necessarily, it's not public information. Yeah. Um, so, I definitely feel like she took, took responsibility for the situation. She shouldn't have, she shouldn't have yeah. been there. She understands how it can be perceived. And I think in any situation, you kind of got to respect that, you know, yeah. um, to recognize that a lot of those things probably wouldn't have happened, you know. And, um, you know, I, I think it's awesome that the Smiths, like that family, is protecting her in that yeah. way. Um, That's what I was Covering her and like supporting about. her. Mm-hmm. I love what that means for the culture. Um, I love that what it seems to be she's gaining the support, you know. Right. Um, I think it's a messy situation. I think, I mean, I just hate the way social media kind of attacks people in See, situations that, that we don't know much about. That goes back to the propaganda that we talked about earlier, though. Like, the the platform that she chose and the information that she chose to give up as well, I feel like is what's creating mm-hmm. the negative thoughts towards the whole interview scenario in general. And the fact that we all just spoke on it and all started off with we felt like it was ingenuine in some way, I feel like that's not a coincidence. But it could also be because we're looking at it from a man's perspective. I was just going to say that. You know, yeah. but what, Did I say I felt like it was ingenuine? You said you felt like, um, I think you said something to that nature. Like, you felt like she didn't, like, you didn't really know if it was all the way believable. No, no, no. I was saying, I feel like I was saying I was more led to believe it because of the way she incriminated herself. Yeah, she said a lot of stuff she didn't have to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. And it's just interesting. I I just feel like I wish, I I just wish uh, as a culture we didn't, like, bite into that stuff too much. Because, I mean, we all, I mean... Bruh, if anybody else was famous, if any if any of us were famous, mm-hmm. anybody listening to this podcast, like there's situations that we've been in where, you know, we would look really, really bad if that was something that was dealt with in the public eye. Man. But, you know, we you, forget our right. privilege of our Ooh. anonymity where we can just like, you know, fly under the radar and the stuff that we deal with, as messy as it can be, yeah. is only dealt with with our groups of friends and just in our, our small circles. That's yeah. real. No, that's that's real. a privilege that you lose when you Very get into that right. And Jordan Woods is like yeah. I mean, apart from this situation, I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Same. You know what Same. I'm saying? So it sucks. I mean, she could want to be an actress. She could be into music. She could be into yeah. whatever. And now yeah. her reputation is stained because of the gossip and just, you yeah. know, everybody being in her business. When they, If she, I mean, if, if let's say she did, let's say she did, you know, the worst case scenario and something did happen with Tristan that night sexually. Mm-hmm. It's nobody's business. You know what I'm saying? That's that shouldn't true. affect her going forward in her name, but it does because if she's in entertainment. You know, that could be a stain on her record, which is just trash to me. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, that's deep. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Thank you for sharing that, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, no Keeping problem. that perspective. No, no, I'm, I'm Antonio J. Bell. That. Thanks, thanks guys. <laughs> that's it. No, so um, um, I, I do want to get into um, a topic today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. I remember watching an interview of Black, uh, the artist. Uh, he was on Joe Budden. Six lakh. Six lakh. So disrespectful. Six um, but he was on the podcast, uh, the Joe Budden podcast. And Joe Budden, you know, old head or older, other gener- older generation, mm-hmm. was kind of just asking him about his, his journey and really trying to 
dissect who he is as a person just based off of his lyrics, um, almost like his his um, real laid back personality, his confidence, which I really appreciated that conversation because I got a chance to really I feel like understand Black a little bit more based on what he gave in that interview. Uh, but there was a moment in that conversation where something came up that I felt like I've heard about in other situations. He was sharing how um, he has a daughter, and I think her name is Six. Um, something along the lines of, you know, he was out on tour, and when uh, the mother of his child was giving birth, he wasn't there. Mm. And, um, you know, Joe Budden was kind of, you know, asking him questions like, what, why not? Why weren't you there? And he, he kind of alluded to the fact that for him, he's sacrificing that in the moment of being there because he's out trying to secure the bag. He's making money so that her future is set up. Right. And I've heard that conversation oftentimes where um, it's kind of like the same situation where um, in traditional cases, I guess, where a man is either not missing or he's out, he's working a lot because he's trying to provide for the family. Mm. But the, the conflict comes when he's missing out on family time. Yeah, I actually just caught up on This Is Us today, and it's the same situation. Uh, one of the characters is running for office, yeah. and his wife is upset that he's missing out on like buying Christmas presents mm -hmm. and sitting down during the holidays and watching a movie and yeah. you know eating when they used to eat. Like it's all these things, and for him, it's like, well, this is something that I have to do in this moment because this is what I committed to. This is something I'm doing, and this is for our family. It's a win for the family. So it's just that dynamic. Um, so I'm just interested in, in what that looks like, especially because black is a, of our generation, um, even what that looks like as far as adulthood, because even Joe Budden's perspective was kind of like, yeah, bro, I used to feel the way you felt until I got older. Then I realized this is what was important. So it's almost like he gave him grace for the sake of you kind of got to grow yeah. and learn through life. But he was just trying to give him gems for him to kind of eat on. But he wasn't too open to it because he was sure of what his plan was and what his role was as an adult, as a father, as an artist. Because his time may only be limited. He may only have eight years to get the bag in this, in this lane of art. So he can't necessarily sacrifice too much because he doesn't know when his time is up. So kind of what I want to get into is um, finding adulthood where it feels like the 30s is our new 20s mm -hmm. nowadays. So I don't know like, if y'all have any insight on like, that perspective, just who you all are, how you identify, your role in life, really, really broad, but I think we really can, can unpack this. No, no, for sure. I mean, I feel like, I mean, it's interesting because when you look at an artist like, like Black or even ourselves as artists, it's like what you're selling is, I believe it is proprietary. Right? Yeah. Can you define that for me again? Proprietary. Um, I can just Google it. But essentially, it's unique to you. Yes. To you. Yes. It's not, it yes. can't be exactly. created by anybody else. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our, our artistry, who we are, is proprietary in a way where it's like, I feel like the it's the hunger in us. I read something this week when it was talking, like, I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, but it was kind of, uh, one of the bars was about just like, the um, the hungrier you are, the um, the more, that, like the harder you're going to grind to to eat, to, to fulfill that need. The hungrier you are, the harder you're going to go to fulfill that need. So you got guys like that, you know, black, who I imagine didn't come up, you know, with the, you know, uh, a lot of opportunity, you know, or overwhelming amount of opportunity. So for him, I feel like it's a, it's a moment where he's really hungry. He wants to eat. And he, and it's like you've got that, that, that anxiety or paranoia that, you know, or imposter syndrome even where it's like I may not be here forever, mm -hmm. you know. But in reality depending on what you're selling and who you are, you know, you can have that longevity in your, in your career, even like an athlete, you know, you look at guys like Shaq, mm 
you know, who's able to find new life. Kobe finds new mm -hmm. life after basketball's over with. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for most athletes, you know, four years, you know, is the lifespan of your career as a as a basketball player, a football player, you know, statistically. But, you know, if you're able to grow and evolve with, with your craft, you can do more. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting way to look at it, but I don't know. I'm in a different space, so it's weird. Yeah, yeah. no, I feel that. Yeah. I, I, feel think, that. Um, I think ambition is something that we're taught as men at such an early age mm -hmm. about chasing like some sort we're defined of endeavor, by it. right? You're super defined by it. Your manhood is defined by yeah. the amount of ambition you have, and then what you achieve through chasing the ambition, right? And just hearing the discussion of him being on tour versus the birth of your daughter, reflecting on a decision like that, you know, you're forever gonna not be able to cherish the moment that you and your wife or whoever your baby mama could have shared from her birthing the child and the experience of that. Cause let's say that that's the only kid he ends up having. Mm -hmm. Let's say that, right? He never got to actually see that. So is that more important than, I don't know, the, the tour, right? When he's probably gonna end up having more tours and everything like that. So I don't know, like it's, it's difficult to make those type of decisions based on the fact that you're type that at such a young age, like chase this or try to accomplish that, even if you're playing sports or whatever it is. and practice 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 to get better whatever those things are that you're attempted to achieve but we're not taught how to prioritize decisions like as a young man you're not taught that you're not taught what is more important in this or that in that ambition that you're chasing which is why i think someone can get older reflect on it and realize that that actually wasn't the best decision so i feel like it's, it's difficult to be able to really put it in perspective because I feel like that's where we're probably all at right now mm -hmm. is in that same level of ambition of attempting to get somewhere. So I could see myself doing the same thing, although I know what the repercussions of it is, even having heard that, you know what I mean? Right. And <coughs> th th I think that's, that's the, that's the interesting part about it. Cause to look at it and be like, well, there's, a, that's invaluable mm -hmm. seeing like the birth of your child. Um, I even think about, like you said, we're, de we're defined by ambition. Yeah. Because you think about you go into a room, the f like more so the things that they ask men more times that I've seen is like, what do you do? Right? Um, you know, I think... It's the first question That's still. the first question. Yeah. And I think with women, I feel like it's more about their looks. You know what I mean? Oh, she's really attractive. Right. Or As a man. Are you single? Correct. It's about a relationship mm -hmm. status. Whereas for us, it's more of like an economic status. Like yeah. That's how you base your worth. You know, yes. as men, our worth is based in our economic status, what we do for work, mm -hmm. what our career is, mm -hmm. or whatever the case is. And for women, like you said, it's based on how beautiful are you. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the first thing that stands out. And that's a question I hate now. Because um, uh, I think, I don't know if I, I mentioned this on air yet. But it's uh, for me, it's the idea that I have to validate my position every time I, I open a conversation with somebody. So when I say I'm an actor, oh, oh what have you been in? Right? Yeah. If I say I worked at Jersey Mike's, you're not going to say, oh, man, what, what sandwiches do you know? <laughs> 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 Have can you, you made the deluxe? Yeah, can you tell me about your menu? What's on a number eight? You know what I mean? Nobody cares. But when it comes to right, acting, it's like, right. oh, you're an actor? Oh, prove it. Prove it. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So That's deep. Anyway, that's just to add on to your point. I'm sorry, I kind of hijacked no, that. No, no, no. no that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. And, and it, see, but even those things develop insecurities. Because in talking about that, right, if you know, like I'll, I'll give an example. For me, I currently am just working a nine to five. I work at Amazon, right? I'm attempting to do some entrepreneurial things out of that, but they haven't manifested yet in the way I, I want them to, right? 
So for me, if someone asks me that question, I got one thing to say, which determines my level of ambition. Now, if you talk to another person, let's say they got a nine to five, they do real estate, they're doing this and that, it sounds better. Now, is it actually better based off of maybe current success or profits or whatever it is that they're yielding? We don't know, but it sounds better. That's why I really think that to your point, again, like the amount of ambition versus what you've actually achieved. And then for women, um, their looks. And then because in that moment, I don't have much to say that can make me feel like, dang, now I'm not like seen to this woman's father or whoever's asking me that as as successful as I should be, which then makes me feel bad. To your point, maybe if you're sharing, if you haven't, if you're an actor who hasn't been in much, now you're sharing the fact and revealing that you know you haven't every time you're in spaces with networking. So you know that's gonna make you feel bad every time you have to say, I haven't been in anything yet, or oh, I haven't, I've only been in this toothpaste commercial, or whatever it is that you've been in that you feel isn't validating where you wanna go. That's so interesting, because I feel like that goes against this whole hustle, like culture that we kind of live in, mm. um, which I'm not against in any, by any means. Um, but I remember watching an interview of, with Nick Cannon. I don't know, was it on Drink Champs? I think it was on Drink Champs. Um, and he was talking about when he first met Will Smith. Mm. And when he first met Will Smith, it was like a dope opportunity because he kind of looked up to him. He's the Fresh Prince. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he was already on the show. Um, but basically, he kind of approached him like, yo, like, I got an idea for this TV show that would be really dope. And Will was like, okay, let me see it. And he was able to pull it out. He was able to, like, send it to him. And Will was like, oh, I like this. And Will was able to then put money behind getting it filmed. And they ended up pitching it, but it never got picked up. But imagine what maybe Nick was dealing with or going through just a week before he met Will probably just working a regular job, trying to hustle, do what he can, but he had these projects fully built out. Because imagine if he had not put the time and the hustle into preparing whatever it was to present it. There it is. Opportunity meets preparation. Like, he would not have had anything. Like, oh, I got this idea. He said, well, let me see it. Well, I don't got nothing to show for it yet, but I have something. Well, all right, cool. Well, keep working. And then that would have been the end of that interaction. So I just think about the importance of, um, like, what would it look like if, you were to go ahead, you know, and say, you know what? I have this clothing line. I'm sorry. You didn't say what it was, but I mentioned one of them. One yeah, of no, your no, things. No, 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 you're good. I didn't nah, mean to out no. you like that, my nah, brother. Nah, you didn't. Know, if you want, we good. can censor this. I appreciate that. Nah, you're nah, good. No, I'm kidding. We don't censor on this nah, podcast. Nah, nah, nah. Um, but um, <laughs> nah, I just, I, I think like in those moments, what would it look like if we push forward and like this is what we're doing and we believe it in that way? Mm. Would people take to us differently, you know, um, if we didn't hesitate? You know, if you're like, if you hadn't been anything, been like, oh, I'm an actor. Oh, what are you working on? Oh man, I don't. I, mean, I don't know how to answer it in a way that would still bring that that like confidence or whatever. Right. But it's like, how do we shift the culture? You know what I mean? To kind of focus of in the way of thinking. Because right. I think about our parents, like our parents' generation, yeah. and where we are. And for me, at least, I'm always busy. I work, you know, at the college. I'm over here doing video stuff, photography stuff, right. podcast working in the prisons. I'm doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fortunately, my mom and stepdad and family, like immediate family, um, I feel like is really supportive. But at times I could feel like my dad necessarily isn't that supportive. You know, he's almost like criticizing me for, you know, work that to him isn't valuable enough. Because right. maybe it's not attached to the right people. Based on his generation. It's based too. on the generation. Like yeah. it's this expectation that you need to just focus on this one thing and move. But it's like we're living in a totally different time. 
you know, yeah. where I can't just focus on one thing, one thing like that's. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm being naive because I'm still young and I haven't experienced life, you know. But then again, I think I have enough context of where we are as a society to recognize things are changing. So, um, like, I just feel like we're living in a different time where, you know, whereas for him, he was out the house by 17 or 16, I think, living on his own, working on his own, having his own place, all these different things by like 18, 19. So what are some things, I guess, for y'all when, when you think about like 30s being the new 20s and, you know, cats leaving home late before we move out? I feel like for myself, um, reflecting specifically in the black community, we are staying at home much longer as millennials than other generations previous to us, which then creates uh, less independence, um, creates lack of independence, lack of ambition. And then that puts you in a space where you're not really getting into your career or stuff where you're experiencing life in a much different way to you're about, what, 24, 25, whereas to your point, our parents out the house probably right at 18, maybe even 20 max, and then they're kind of pushed in society having to grow up faster and learn, which is developing a different type of mentality all in and of itself. So it challenges you much differently, which is pushing us into the 30s and then getting pushed now into the 30s more so, being the new 20s based off of those different you know, situations that you're put in in that generational context, then it's going to bring forth different challenges, you know, and with those different challenges comes a different mindset. Like even for ourselves, talking about it right now, like, you know, what you started this podcast last June, June, in June year. right? How old are you? 27. Right. 27 years old, getting close to our 30s. You do this podcast for the next couple of years. Boom. Right. Might start really taking off and blowing up and creating kind of different traction. But that's going to be all through your 30s. That's not going to be in your 20s. So Man, that's, I didn't even think about that part. Yeah. Most of the success of what you everything you're working on right now is going to be in your 30s. It's not going to really stem from your 20s because we're at the end of our 20s. So a lot of it is going to be the peak even right now with the stuff I'm starting, right? My clothing line. That stuff's going to be mostly through my 30s. Yeah. You got you got thoughts on that, Mr. Bell? Um, Repeat the question, my brother. Just the whole idea of be like laid out the gate, I'll call it. Like just laid yeah. out the gate, 20s being the new, I mean 30s being the new 20s grinding in our 20s and not really seeing the same, um, I guess, lifestyle that maybe our parents may have seen. I don't know if there's, like, any pressures from, like, your family or, like, expectations that maybe you have for yourself based on, like, what used to be. That's, that's an interesting concept to me because, you know, I mean, we've all seen that meme where they're, like, you know, Oprah didn't do this until she was 40. And, you know, Paulo Coelho's first book became a national bestseller at like 50 and yeah, all this brand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your and time is coming. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just feel like the expectations our parents have put on us, you know, um, are based on like arch archaic data. You know, right? In, in their a day and age, you know, you could have grown up, went to college, got a degree, came out and had jobs waiting for you. That isn't the scenario these days. You know, if you don't have a degree in the right fields that have a high demand, your degree isn't going to be worth as much. So if you, you know, a major in communications doesn't have as much weight, you know, as a degree in nursing, right? The in, in, in their 
from from their perspective. No, here, like now, today. Okay. Right. Okay. If you you know if you're a nurse, especially if you're if you're a nurse, if you're a male nurse, if you're a male nurse of color, there's a high demand for you because you're not represented much in those fields. Actually, I do have to to interject. So a lot of like like uh, communication, those other like non technical jobs, yeah, are considered social sciences. And I actually just read an article recently mm. that stated that the jobs in social science actually do compete with the technical jobs, mm. but it takes five to eight years before you see the balance mm. of it balancing out. So maybe as far as like go, you going into your your higher education, like. As far as grad school like, or no 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 just just like let's say a regular like not like a regular but a bachelor's degree yeah. in communication versus a, a bachelor's degree in nursing a nurse can start out making good money from that first job mm. where someone maybe with a degree in social science may be making like significantly lower mm-hmm. but five years later if you check in on those same individuals the person in that social science will be making competitively. Um, the same amount, if not a little bit more, than the person in the technical job. Now, what is that in the ratio to the jobs available when they graduate, though? Because I was, I was more so speaking to oh, that. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The volume of work available yeah, right for... Yeah, 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 right yeah, out the gate. Yeah, right out the gate. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is an interesting point. Um, but yeah, I just think, like, the, the you know, the formula they had for us is, is broken. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't think that they've really accounted for, you know, how different things are today. Um and their expectations for, for our growth and, and development. And I think, I don't know, I mean, if you're 25 years old, you know, you don't have a degree, you don't have any debt, you know, but, you know, you've got good credit, you can invest in your brand and, you know, and, and, and build and start becoming an entrepreneur, you know, I would argue you're at a better place than a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Another point, um, when I look at, like, you know, my experience, you know, I didn't go to college like that. I went to a JC for two years. But while everybody else was having that experience, I was working, you know. So by the time everybody graduated, I had already established myself in, in, in a certain fields, mm-hmm. you know, and developed all this opportunity and got so far ahead in, in, in yeah. my field because I got a trade, yeah. you know, that when everybody else graduated, you guys yeah. are just getting that experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas I've been, I've been working since I was like 16. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, th- is that to say that, you know, but I feel like that, you know, data you just mentioned, that's where it would come out because, you know, five years, you're going to be way ahead of me because right. you have a degree probably, you know. Um, but I feel well, like. not anymore, <laughs> Mr. Actor. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I just feel, I don't know, I feel like it's weird. I, I think, um, yeah, I think, I think we need to be a little more patient with ourselves and our journey because, you know, we're, we're young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why I love rhetoric from guys like Gary Vaynerchuk. If you don't know who he is, um, look him up. He has a book called Crushing It, and he's like a, so, a, a mogul, and he's a um, social media savant. Like he has some of the best content available yeah, on Instagram. Sure. It's a very, it's actually a very good use of your time to to watch his videos and follow him. But um, we're so young, and the idea is these milestones we set when we were kids were not realistic. I want to be married by 23. I want to buy a house by the time I'm 26. By the time I'm 29, I want to have my first kid. Then I had a second one by the time I'm 31. Right. And then I'm going to have one more right after that just That's to be real. done. And I'm going to have like three kids. <laughs> For real. I mean, we all say the same stuff yeah. growing up, I'm sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, those milestones kind of set you up for failure because you're trying, to, you're trying to beat yourself. You're trying to beat your imagination in achieving something when that may not be the timing that it needs to be on. Yeah. I, I think, man, you... You said it, dude. I, I think that that's so that's so true. And that even the concept of what our parents are pushing on us versus what their parents pushed on them. Like we're we're pushed, go to college, go to college. 
they weren't necessarily pushed to have to go to college. And to your point, you didn't go to college, but I think that the path that you're currently on and where you're leading and guiding yourself in terms of like where your success and where your career is going, I think is in a a great standpoint. And I think the things that you were able to learn as far as soft skills and about life, having worked prior to going to college is so invaluable. And those are the things that we're learning later. Now, granted, to your point, in the event and the concept of a nine to five, could someone end up outworking you? Sure. But in terms of the things that you learned and what they're currently learning at 25 versus what you had already learned at 20 or 21 in terms of interacting with people and service and how to be able to get what you need, how to talk to people the correct way, how to be able to persuade people, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with, self uh, conflict resolution, whatever. Those things are like very, very invaluable stuff that you can learn that will put you ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. uh, a lot faster if you use it right. You know, so I think that that's that's also changing and making a difference to things too. It'll sustain you longer too, because yeah. because that's something I feel like I'm I'm looking at too. Just as this conversation is going on, I'm thinking, well, what what, what maybe pushed our parents? Cause I didn't even think about they weren't pushed to go to college. Yeah. Like neither of my parents went to college, but they sure made sure Mine it did. wasn't even an option for me. Me too. But they probably were working mm-hmm. and were seeing people with college degrees going further than them. Right. Thinking, dang, I need to get my kid on that track, without looking at maybe what was happening across the landscape you know because like even when we like vote or when we're looking at like when we're looking at politics when we're looking at things we got to look even business or investments we got to be looking three four five years ahead what's what's happening now what are some of the trends what's going to be booming in the next few years to be able to get on that you know what i mean as opposed to what's already happening because by the time it's happening it's too late you know what i mean so that preparation has to be a little bit more um provisionary yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to right, really be thinking true. like ahead of time like mm-hmm. what's what is needed moving forward and I think at least us and the people we keep around I think we're thinking a little bit more ahead as far as where things are shifting and recognizing more of that value in the things that are, that it's hard to put a, a dollar sign on, yeah. you know. There are more self-made millionaires in this generation today based on the mindset of entrepreneurship in the society that we live in to be able to generate and create uh, residual and other forms of income than there was in our parents' generation. So that in and of itself proves the opposite of the things that they're attempting to push us towards. Like, oh, you just need to work this job and go to college. But yeah, they I mean, didn't do that. Yeah, but, th- but their idea is, you know, for the most part, um, go to school, yep. get a good job, yep. get a pension, you know, buy a house, pay it off. You know, and, right. and, you know, raise your kids, have a family, whatever. But, you know, it's been proven, I think, you know, throughout history that just because you have kids and just because you get married mm-hmm. and just because you buy a house doesn't mean that you that's going to equate to happiness. You know, but I don't think 110%. that that's been, you know, really recognized, you know, in the way that, you know, that generation has parented us. Right. Because, in, in, you know, when you really look at it, like none of it matters. You know what I mean? If you don't manage the home right, if you don't manage your credit right, if you don't, you know, study the right things in college, if you don't set yourself up right. I mean, I mean, I know cats, you know, out of school, they got 150K in, in, in student loans and they make 80K a year. Right. House, way. I'm on my way. Boy. I'm on my way. <laughs> Mad, right. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a good point. The other thing about just 20s to 30s, coming out of the gate, you're already in debt. Losing. Most of us. Yeah. Come on, yeah. losing. They, losing. Yeah. they weren't. Our parents weren't. They didn't have, they were losing. I mean, but think about the this job. system for a minute, though. Yeah. 
So so tell me what an average student loan payment would be. A month? Yeah. Oh. Four fifty. Four fifty. That's that's let's say forty five let's say I would forty seven thousand dollars. I would say average three hundred dollars. Okay. I wouldn't say that high. I wouldn't say four fifty. I probably could be wrong though. Might, no, I'm going to split the difference and go with 400 for student loans, right? Okay. All right, so then, you know, you get a job, you got to get to work, right? You don't really, you, you have a bucket that you had throughout college, so now you got to buy a car, right? Yep. So let's say your car note, you know, if you're lucky, 260 right? And then after that, you know what I'm saying, you're going to school, you got your car note, you got rent, right? So let's say you your rent's 1200 depending on where you live at, just yep. to be fair, no, right? No, that's, that's actually that's sure. super realistic. Yeah, so your rent's 1200 so we're now at 1860 per month, yep. but you also got to eat. So let's say you're able to eat for four hundred dollars a month, right? Yeah. Twenty two sixty, right? Let's say a couple of years down the line you have a kid too. Yeah. You know, let's say you're you're a man and you pay child support. You might be paying You're a man and you pay child support. <laughs> you're only you're only a man if you pay child support. <laughs> you gonna pay four hundred dollars. You, pay child support, right? you ain't a man. But you also got credit cards and you've you've kinda racked them up a little bit. I was bit. just about to say So that. let's say you also pay four hundred dollars in credit cards. So yeah, boy. And we're at now about three three thousand dollars. Yeah. And 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 overhead per month. Yeah. Right. We ain't even got to electric and water and Wi-Fi, and cable and haircuts. Yeah. I mean, you want to be looking ugly. Right. You know what I'm saying? But you have a cool car. Yeah. I mean, but but anyway, I just said that to say like it's an interesting system that they have set up to where you know once you get in debt, it's almost like a a, a new version of slavery in a way. Yep. You know because you're forced to sustain this lifestyle and you're bound to you know paying off these student loans because they don't they don't go away. You can yep. you can get rid of all other kinds of debt, but student loans. Right, and then you got your car note, and you may have kids. Kids, I feel like kids are looked at as currency for the government or a form of debt. We all are, <laughs> right? You know, but you you have all these different, you know, these things tying up your money to where you can't be creative, to where you can't, you know, even try to switch up because you got to pay these bills. Yeah, you know, because you want to keep your credit high on some yeah. Black Mirror stuff because right. that's gonna like set your your social economic status mm. too, bro. That is linked directly to slavery. Mm. Debt is. Um, I wish I knew the exact breakdown, but essentially, even when like it was sharecropping, you're talking about when when, when slavery ended when and slavery you had to ended. go work at the um, what do you, what do you call them? They're the, sharecroppers. Uh, the share, sharecroppers. Sharecroppers, but it's something else. It's like yeah. an it's almost like indentured servitude. There's another name for it. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, like essentially, like okay, you're not working for on free. the chain gangs and things. Right, if I you had debt, know. you know probably more than I do. So, because he was on a movie, whatever. Uh, Harry, so, that's coming out. <laughs> I'm, I'm being for real. That's a real bar. I'm so, right, right. Check out so, Antonio J. Bell and Harry. So when um when slavery was right. abolished, it was kind of like you know fake abolished because they had like vagrancy laws. It was mm -hmm. one of the things. So if you were homeless and just sitting on the side of the road, that was illegal. You know, so you would okay. be fined, but you don't have money to pay your fine because you can't get a job. Sounds like black, overdraft, right? So now you've got to go work on, you know, sharecropping or you work on chain gangs or whatever the case is to pay the debt that you that had you for mm -hmm. vagrancy mm -hmm. laws or whatever laws yep. that you broke. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about it, in that it, context? Essentially the same thing because sharecroppers, need, you need a place to stay. Right. So you're no mm -hmm. longer a slave when got you're it. sleeping in, you know, part of like the master's home, whatever yeah, land yeah. they have. You're not paying rent, but your rent may be a certain amount, but you're only getting paid a little bit. So it's going to take you forever to get out that to situation. Out but wait a minute. You still need to travel, right? So... We're going to let you go ahead and pull out some money to get a car. Mm. So they keep you in the cycle where you're constantly in need. Mm -hmm. And it's that same concept constantly perpetuated yeah, over you're dependent and over on again. the government. You're dependent on that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even when you think about things like insurance now, like the whole concept of insurance, like, oh, you need to have insurance. But realistically, if you're making enough money, insurance doesn't even really exist to you because you yeah. have the money to cover. But we have this mindset that that's 
a necessity. It is, right? right. To a certain extent, but it's like, right. what are we doing to free ourselves from these situations? We got to first know what the situations break are. The chains. We got to break those chains. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I don't think um, we do enough really of like the community part of like our, of where we are to get each other to the point where your clothing line can start booming. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where all the things that we each have where we can get ourselves out of these situations, you know, and this is just a bigger conversation about the black dollar and all that, but yeah. it's literally this cycle that keeps us in, in, in need of someone else, you know, of the system. So yeah. even when you think about, um, I read an article at one point, they said, imagine if, um, instead of college, it was you going to the bank and asking for a loan against your business. Mm. The business is yourself. A lot of people probably won't choose college. Cause if I at 18 coming out of high school, right. was like, okay, you want to take a $45,000 loan, you know, I'll probably be like, no, nah, I want to take a $45,000 loan. But that's essentially what I did for my one year of college. Yep. I went to college five years, but I only took out a loan during my first year. $45,000 that I'm still paying on, right? Yeah. From that year alone. Versus, let me go take out a $10,000 loan at 18 and go see what I can do with this money. Let me flip this here. I got some network. I know some people. Boom. Maybe I profit yeah, 2000 I put that 2000 back. <clears throat> that's going to look a lot different. But we take out these large lump sums of cash, not even cash, right? Credit, because of the promise of what education can bring. But what are we doing in researching what is the return on this $45,000 debt? See, all the things that you're talking about, too, are higher level fiscal ways of thinking mm -hmm. that were not taught in the black community oh. that would allow you to be able to get to that type of thinking. Like, even if just hearing what you just said, I'm like, dang, I never even thought about that. I could have for sure. And reflecting on my mentality now and looking at where I'm at and how it could go and being able to take a risk like that, I would be more open mm -hmm. because I know my level of responsibility, how hard I would work to get it. Whereas back then, even if I knew that, I feel like I would think and be afraid of that because I'm not aware of what any of that is mm -hmm. or what that means. I've never even been exposed to the thought of a loan, interest rates, et cetera. You know, so I, I can identify with that for sure. I think that that's, that's such a thing that we need to teach like mm -hmm. back to the generation, back to our kids and empower them with that type of right. way of thinking. Because I feel like in the society we're getting back to creating and encouraging our kids to be entrepreneurial as opposed to nine to five in college, because there's so many different avenues yeah. that are open and available for you to make more money. I, I think what you're speaking to is, is, is institutional racism in a way, mm -hmm. right? So we're not having the dialogue and the conversations that we need to have um, to enable us to, to be able to achieve that, 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 that well-being, you know, yep. just in life, right? Um, it makes me think about Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs again, right? Mm -hmm. Are you guys familiar with it? I've heard of it before, but okay. I'm not all I'm the way familiar. Simple Please educate down, right? yeah. So at the base, the, your basic needs are psychological needs and safety needs, right? Food, water, warmth, rest, psychological, or sorry, physiological needs, physiological needs and safety needs. Food, water, warmth, rest, safety, secure, uh, security, and safety. Um, after that, you have psychological needs, which is belongingness and love and needs, intimate relationships, friends. After that, your esteem needs, prestige, feeling of accomplishment. Then you have your self-fulfillment needs, self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, and including creative activities, right? So part of the ideas is the pyramid, right? So you need to achieve the basic levels before you can start to achieve self-actualization. So okay. if I don't have physiological right. needs, if I don't have food, water, warmth, rest, 
<laughs> if I don't have my safety net, right? If I don't feel secure and safe in my home, yeah. in my environment, with my with my family, my community, yeah. there's no way I'm gonna achieve my full potential and realize myself. Yeah. Because I don't have the basic elements to be a secure, you know, human being and function. Yeah. Right. So when you talk about, you know, economics, you talk about people who have been raised in environments where they've had their physiological needs and their safety needs met mm -hmm. from the time that they were born yeah. up until the time that they're 18, Pretty they're on a whole nother way. You're like, right? just go. Green so, and they don't have to be white, right? You can look mm -hmm. at a Will Smith and Jaden, what they've created for their family. The reason why, uh, uh, sorry, why uh, Jaden and Willow, I get their names are similar to their parents, sorry. But Jaden and Willow, the reason why they can be on the way that they are and we think they're so weird is because their basic needs have been met so early and for so long, they were able to tap into self-fulfillment, you know, self-actualization, and really get to, like, kind of play with their, their realities and play Creativity. with, you know, philosophy and yeah. all these other things because of the conversation and stuff that they've had growing up. I know you got Bro. a lot. Go ahead. Woo! Yeah. That thing just opened. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Bell right here. <laughs> you yeah, broke no. down life. That's real. Because this is the thing. You mentioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I remember studying in a psychology class. Yeah. And it being like, oh, okay, like these are just things that, that just are innate within us that we don't even realize. We just need as humans. Mm -hmm. Why was it never broken down in terms of our community? Yeah. Why didn't they teach Maslow's hierarchy of needs from the standpoint of look out at your community? What are things that maybe you're experiencing at home? You but can't teach that from a place of privilege. You How many teachers do we have growing up that look like us? I had one in high school I can remember. Mm. He had dress. He was a woke black man. That's it. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. It ain't. How right. they I mean, they, they know yeah. nothing about right. that. And, yeah. And it, you know, it's funny because we have all these conversations, too, and not to jump into, like, police brutality or just policing in general, not police brutality. Policing, where they talk about it's important for um, the police officers to be from that community or mm -hmm. spend time in that community. I mean, it should be the same thing for educators, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to be from that community, to know what the community needs are. And I actually recently, uh, when I wrapped one of my sessions at, um, at the prison facility that I was working um, in Ventura, I was speaking with my, my students. And at the end, when it wrapped, they were just like, yo, the information you shared was so powerful. Like, I want to continue to take more of these classes because of the way that you presented it. And that spoke so loudly to me because it made me realize as an educator, it's not my job to just teach the information, but I literally have to put in work to understand how to strategically, because I should have the skills, how to strategically present the info and the curriculum in the way that my audience needs yes. to receive it. Yes. It's my job Kinda, to go home yeah. and develop a curriculum that's, that's, big. that's unique to my classroom. That's, big. that's a big actualization for you. Oh my as God. As an educator, as an educator, because that's empowerment. That's not just educating. That's now trans transitioned into empowerment and teaching and empowering is so different because being able to empower a person allows them to be able to figure out things now on their own and be able to create self-independence in a different way that now they're constantly learning, which is what you'd ultimately to me as an educator want to achieve the concept of always wanting to learn and be excited about learning. Right. Like right. whatever way, books, um, activities, workshops, watching content, information, whatever it is, writing, et cetera. Yeah. I, I, like it's a mindset. 
Mm-hmm. It's mindset. Like we're li- teaching them how to fish, yeah, as opposed to providing yes. them the fish. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was looking up that quote. Let's oh, yeah. about like yeah, something <laughs> yeah. like you know, yeah. teach them to cook they can eat for a day, yeah. or teach them how to hunt they eat forever. Something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't find it, but yeah, no, exactly. That's that's, exactly. that's exactly what it is. And I love you where you put. I love the way you yeah. put it. Empowerment because, yeah. and, I, and that's what I told my students when I first started. I was like, for me, this class is is not even an intro I was teaching financial literacy. Mm-hmm. It's not even an introduction to financial literacy. I just want to give you the terminology so that you understand that this stuff is out there, but it's up to you to go out and seek and learn. There None of go. us are going to finally get to there it and go. say, you know what, I've got it. You know, but it's important for us to understand that this these things exist so that we can begin to begin so that we can begin to think about what other things don't we know out there. Right. In order to keep that mindset of critical thought. However, I'm going to teach critical thinking through the lens of financial literacy because it's not so much about the content, but it's more so about how do you think. They don't even present college that way because realistically, an undergraduate degree isn't so much about the ins and outs of the thing that you want to study. You don't really get into the ins and outs of what you really want to study till you get to the master's and the doctorate where you really can like begin shifting the industry mm-hmm. that you're in. Undergrad is really about time management, balancing yeah. conflict resolution the things that you talked yeah. about learning in the workforce yeah i would That's agree all undergrad- i would agree your undergraduate experience yeah. is about how do you balance your social life your professional life your academic life your emotional intelligence your spirituality mm-hmm. how do you discover those things and in this controlled environment mm-hmm. that's all it is when did y'all graduate college i graduated in 2016 you were 2014 2014 now Retrospect, do you think it was worth it? I hate when people ask me this question. Man, good question. I think it was worth it because of the experiences that I had in college. Um, I, w- I, I wrote a paper about this. I think I could have gotten those experiences outside of the college space, but it probably would have taken a lot more trial and error for me to have the right experiences to give me the experiences that I gained. In college, the environment was controlled so that it forced me to work with people. It forced me to learn to communicate. It forced me to learn how to socialize and deal with conflict and negotiate for myself, advocate for myself. So it taught me all of those elements, but it was so low key that I was just influenced by the environment. So I would say yes. On some 10 year stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm referencing uh, episode we call we have is it called ten years right? I think it's called ten years. Or Back to the Future. I think it's, it's called, called Back to the Future. It's called Back to the it Future. Week. It used to be called yeah, ten years. It was, it was when it was living on the computer. <laughs> so on a ten years wave, if you can go back, is there anything you would have done differently as it pertains to your education? Would you have considered a JC? Or um, I definitely would have considered a community college. I don't refer to it as JC because junior sounds like it's less than, and it's not less than. <laughs> um, I would have definitely gone to a community college yeah. because to me, I tell my students now, for me and for you all to understand your role in higher ed, if that's the route you choose to take, understand the variables that mm. are unique to you. I decide where I'm going to eat today based on how much money I have in my pocket. Mm. I can want a steak, but if all I got is $7, I'm at mm. Del Taco with it, right? Yeah. So when you're looking at life, you got to look at all the variables. How much yeah. money do you have? Do you need to be close to your family? Do you have family members you need to mm-hmm. take care of? Can you work and still go to school? Mm-hmm. Based on those variables, you have to make a decision. And often when I'm working with my students, they're from black and brown communities. So I say, what are your, what's your family financial situation? That should determine where you can go eat. Mm. So if you're trying to eat, you can't go to that top 
university if it's going to cost your family $40,000 in debt? What type of setup is that? Mm-hmm. But maybe you can go to a community college and find a way to offset that cost, and this time you're taking out $20,000 instead of forty-five. Right. And so you got to kind of learn to measure and decide what sacrifices can you make. So that's something I definitely probably would have done. It just might be because less than 20. But yeah, I, I get yeah, your point. No, it would have been way yeah. less than t- it yeah. would have been way less than 20. Yeah. But just recognizing, once again, the implications of a decision, because for so long, mm. you know, my mom was signing everything, field trip slips, uh, paperwork for school. So when it came to college applications and financial aid, you weren't involved. Yeah. I don't no, care. That. Yeah. I want to go to college. It's 40,000. I don't know that 40,000. It's going to be coming on my paycheck. Nobody put that into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So just like what Tony did on this episode, he pulled out the calculator and started adding up. Yeah. I do that for my students today in high school. That's, this, that's awesome. I made $40,000 at my first job out of, mm-hmm. high, out of college yeah. with a graduate degree. That's $3,333 a month. After taxes, I'm walking over $3,000. What all things do I have to pay for? First of all, I have debt, so that's $400 gone, $450, mm-hmm. right? Gone out my check. Then I got to pay for my gas, I got to pay for food, and I break it down. And before you know it, I'm down to like maybe 50 bucks, and I haven't saved anything. Yep. Mm. So I say, what do you all think about this? And this is with a degree. So imagine if I had that $400 still. I could have at least saved that. Two months would have been 800 yeah. Then it would have been, you know, 1200 I'd give them that breakdown so they can start thinking about it. So um, th- would I have done things differently? Yeah, I, I wish I would have had somebody to help put things into perspective for me. Mm. I know what I would have done differently. Oh, no, no, no. First oh, question first. First Do you question. think undergrad was, was worth it? I Looking think, back. So I think you I heard, have you heard Back to the Future? No, I haven't listened to that So just yet. to give you a, a little, 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 it's just, you know, the question was on the on that episode was, yep. um, what would 27-year-old you say to 17-year-old you? You oh, know, wait, theoretically. I think you have, you have, so, uh, yeah, yeah it's in that same vein. I just wondered, you know, going back. Mm-hmm. What like what is so what is your thoughts on undergrad? Do you think it was worth it and, and what would you have done differently? I, I would have to answer similar to Tarek. I think that my experiences that I actually undertook during undergrad was huge for me. I'll give you an example of one. Having studied in engineering, I struggled a lot in engineering. It was mm-hmm. very difficult for me. But I was the type of person that I was so stubborn um in wanting to achieve that degree that I did not give up. I, I several and had times I used to vent to even Tarek and about not doing well in school because through high school I was always doing well in school. And this was the first time I was failing classes, D's, F's, um, had to take certain classes like two or three times before I actually passed it. I had never dealt with so much controversy as it related to my education and academics. So in getting that, I feel like it taught me a lot about perseverance taught me a lot about having conviction in what I know that I want and pushing for it anyways. I don't know if I had gotten those experiences or would have gotten them as fast had I not studied engineering specific or had I not gone to college. So I think those experiences also helped me. And also just dealing with conflict resolution relationships. Everybody wants to call me a serial monogamous. I was in a lot of longer relationships throughout my college career as opposed to some of my friends who were single more often. So those are also stuff that I gained. That's the last way to put it. I went single more often. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I would have, if I wouldn't have went to college, I don't know if I would have had those relationships, had those experiences, which helped me learn about, you know, how to be able to get through conflict resolution with women or with other people because being in a college environment creates drama. And some of that drama that you're able to overcome and persevere through creates those good lessons. Um, the other part of it, what was the other question? Second question. Would you have done anything differently? Oh, yeah. So this is what I would have did differently. 
I'm sorry, that light turned off, had me shook for a second. Yeah, that me question. Shook, I was like, who? Don't answer that question. The light just shut off. <laughs> I, I would have worked for two years, then went to college. And the reason mm-hmm. why I would have did that is because I feel like I would have gained such more insight about myself to figure out what I actually want to study having being able to deal with uh, more conflict resolution in a different way or being exposed to leadership uh, in a different way in the work environment because that's an environment that we're all going to have to get to at some point whereas in college I didn't have a job for so long I was just living truly and purely off financial aid that I wasn't I wasn't leading. I wasn't forced to be in leadership other than, you know, me wanting to participate in uh, different community uh, groups like Black Student Union, et cetera. But those groups are different because everyone that's involved in it is volunteering. It's different when you got people who got money on the line. Like, I need this money in order for me to survive and work, so I have to come to this job. Whereas I'm in this group just because, like, I like black people or or I'm pro-black or I'm passionate about it. But that doesn't always contribute to the amount of work that you put in towards it. Whereas at work, you have to. So I think I would have learned such invaluable lessons that would have wanted that would have acquired a different mindset going into college. Plus, I think I could have also saved myself in debt. Like, you know, just having accumulated so much college debt, uh, I also would have probably attended a community college rather than go straight to a university. So I think those are things I would have did differently. That's interesting. I mean, I really wish um, those conversations were had a lot more in school, really, too. I feel like, you know, even the people that educate us, they've gone through that. They mm-hmm. have college debt. A lot of, I mean, I remember my homeroom teacher was getting his doctorate. You know what I'm saying? So in that 15 minutes, you know, I would have loved to hear more about his stories. And it's, and it's weird thinking back. It's like our teachers weren't much older than us. Yeah, wow. You know, yeah. that's true. Dang, yeah. they weren't much older that. than us that's right true. now. Yeah, yeah, they're like you know, so it's really interesting to think about a twenty-seven-year-old teaching us and, and how much more they may have had to offer, you know, if they're oh, a little more tapped man. in. I, so I just huge. realized, like you saying, your f- fifteen minutes during homeroom. I'm like, dang. Imagine if homeroom was just getting to know your homeroom teacher. Then I was thinking, wait a minute, I don't know any of my teachers. I don't know what they went through, no. what schools they really went to, At hobbies, ho- like nothing. Yeah, that's a problem. That is because I mean I hate I hate to keep barking on like what I do for work, but when I walk to work with my students and yeah. my first time meeting them, I'm like y'all gonna keep seeing me five times throughout this year. I think it's really awkward if I'm getting to know you. I'm helping you with financial aid. I know how much your family makes. I know what it is you're interested in. Mm-hmm. I know what some of your insecurities are. I know what you're scared about. You may be scared about, and you all have no context of who I am, mm-hmm. what my journey has been, and my approach to why I'm here today. And I give them the full spill from having my hopes up to go to UCLA, to getting rejected, to finally finding the school and then thinking I was done with school and then coming to a place where I didn't have the GPA because I didn't think I would go to grad school. And now I'm in grad school and I'm realizing so much more. I give them the full spectrum and I felt like that establishes so much more relationship. And students have a lot more confidence because they've lost the anxiety and the stress that's attached to even their future because they now are operating from a place of being well-informed. Because yeah. realistically, we're, we're fearful because we don't understand. Yeah. And we don't they're understand. Open, they're open to learning from you. They know that you care. They're op- they know that you care. There it is. That's huge. A lot of, like, yeah. One thing I love about, we huge. talked a little bit off camera about um, Two Chains' new album, Rapper Go to the League. Um, one of the things I love about um, some of his, his metaphors in the album 
is the idea that he learned more from his basketball coach than his father. You know, and it's that idea that you have a relationship to this person, you know, in your, you know, school, in your community that is able to, to, what well, you have the relationship to these kids, Tarek, and, you know, that, that you're able to really impart in them, they're able to trust you and feel like you actually care, feel like you care about their development. And, you know, for you to, you work at a four year university. Nah. Uh, you don't community college. Too. You, know, you work yeah. at the community college. Yeah, okay, never mind. So, yeah, so it yeah. makes sense that you're selling the community yeah, college. Yeah. But mm-hmm. even having gone to a four-year university, you know, um, I feel like you know you're being on you're, you you you're on both sides of it. So it's like you 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 know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and that's, that's why I, I tell them. feel that way. You know I didn't I mean? go straight to a community college, and this is what I would have done differently because yeah. I recognize the variables. I recognize my community. Yeah, because I tell them like you know if you got I mean the first two two years you're figuring it out anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't really know what you're majoring, what you want to do, what the case is. Those classes you're taking, whether you took English 101 That's at a exactly community college for two years or at Cal State, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's the same same credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Substitute's just the same. So, man, perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. And I think up. if we're more present. Um, and that's kind of the thing, like even this whole approach that we're talking about and recognizing the value of giving context and thinking about the implications of our decisions, mm-hmm. I think that will even shift the way our parents kind of approach us because they're taking the time to understand what we're dealing with. Well, we talked about Where this already, are. though. Um, I forget which episode, but it's the fact that our parents don't recognize us as adults. Man. It, take, it takes, I think, I think by the time they really see us as an adult y'all. and a peer, it takes a very long time. Y'all made that an episode already? It wasn't an episode, but it was, it was briefly discussed in one of... <laughs> I would love to talk... <laughs> <laughs> I would love to talk about that. Listen, don't let, don't forget me if y'all make that an episode, boy. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I need to vent. I like that. I, I actually thought about writing a book. It would be called, uh, similar actually to what you did in your podcast, I would call it Breaking Up My Mother. Mm. I actually really Wow, like that Asher. Concept. We got to censor yeah, that. Serious. Sorry. We got to censor that. That's Do great. Do, oh, yeah. We might have to. But <laughs> No, y- you're doing it. You're doing it. Oh, uh, yeah. You're doing so, it. So, yeah. But I, I <laughs> really. Tony's face. He's like, wait, huh? What's happening? I What's really, really. I'm I really, really want to so look serious. at Taylor and see what she looked like, but I didn't want to make it obvious. <laughs> but I'm being, so, <laughs> I'm being so serious. I really wanted. I want to write a book called that because I think every black man and being in a generation where we're raised by our mothers, they cling to us differently. And that separation piece of not acknowledging you being an adult, but also still like using you for, and when I say using you, I mean like kind of leveraging you in what you're currently doing or what they want you to see you doing is so drastically different and the pressure and the burden on you is different. And I, I think that that's something in our generation we all deal with because of us being in single parent mother households constantly. Wow. And being hurt by black men, these women, these black women being hurt by black men, and the only men they have less to trust is their son. Bro, because I'm about I'm gonna be on your head about making making this happen too. Yeah. Because um, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I just had to say that. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah, man. I mean, I ain't got I got a flight. At uh, oh, times you? my flight, my flight says uh, you don't know. Nah, I'm looking at Terry like, what? Oh, oh, you do know. It's yeah. like 9:45. I'm, I'm Tony's future manager, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lucy. No, I'm just playing. Yep. Um, no, but I ain't got nothing to do, so just putting it out there. But we can also. I mean, I, I know this is an episode. Oh, listen, this this conversation gotta on? continue. But I, I think at this point, realistically, it's about being intentional. I think supporting one another and like being mindful of everything we're doing and why we're doing it. I mean, I think almost all of yeah. our conversations come back down to mm. being intentional, self-awareness, yeah. and to some shape, way, or form, community. 
Help yes. your homies win, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lifestyle in that, in that way. Um, Asher, I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to be on here. One thing I want to say to the listeners, too, something just to think about is identifying what realistic goals that you have. I really liked what Tony brought into the conversation earlier, you know, 20s and what you were talking about, 20s going into 30s. Being more realistic with those and finding out based on some of the things you broke down, pulling out a calculator, actually looking at the situations that you could be in through your 20s prior to going to college. So if you're 18 years old right now, you listen to this, assess that stuff. Look at what expenses you would have. Look at what you think is important to you in terms of goals, when you want to be married, all these things. Is it realistic that that's going to take place? Because I know we thought all those same things, and I'm in a drastically different place than what I thought I would be at 27. So Marriage? Really, no. really right. Marriage? Yeah. Be str- you know, really critically think about that stuff. But also I think the, um, the motivation of why you want these things. Yeah. Ooh. You know, For why sure. do you need a house? Why do you need a car? Why do you need a wife? Why do you need a husband? Why you want kids? Are they to fill other voids in your life that – you know, you've grown up these deficits that you just feel like that kid's going to solve and you're going to feel loved or whatever the case is, or do you really have a actual reason per legacy to why you want to do these things? Bro, that's a, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out in my life right now. Um, why you want kids? Nah, just why I do the things I do. Uh-huh. Like, talk to the people I talk to. And yeah. Do things I do. Like, that's such a hard conversation yeah. to have with yourself. With I'm, I'm sorry. It's such a hard conversation for me to have with myself. Yeah. Um, because in the midst of living life, I'm moving forward in something that I'm still not even sure of why I'm doing it. And that's a very dangerous place to be in because it's mm-hmm. very easy to become lackadaisical because it's it happening purpose. and I'm just here. So mm-hmm. I kind of just got to yeah. deal with it because I put myself in the situation. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, I think, as you say that, for me to kind of slow down for myself to be able to man, ask I think, I think it's for all of us, man. I feel like... So... I mean, we can cut this whenever. I'm just about yeah. to talk. Let's go for it. Yeah. So, like, go today, bro, I had, a, I had a moment where I was, like, um, I was really disappointed. And it's, like, it's like I sustained, like, before we started recording, I'm, like, super disappointed at my attitude towards my greatest achievements, right, today. Mm-hmm. So, to, to fill you in, I did a pilot last year, mm-hmm. uh, Dare Me, uh, in Toronto. Dope project. I've been waiting for almost a year, probably, like, eight months you know, um, for word that we're getting picked up, that my character's going to continue, all these other things. If you talked to me a year and a half ago, I would have told you, like, as long as I'm making what I've, I've been making, you know, if I'm able to sustain, you know, these numbers, yeah. you know, um, as an actor, I'm good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just want to make these numbers as an actor. I'll be straight. Right. Like, I've, it's not about the money for me, right. is what I said. So I'm in a place now where I'm faced with the idea that I'm not who I say I am, mm. right? Because I say this shit, and it sounds great, Yeah. right? But then when Rower hits the road, and it's like, all right, man, we got you. We're going to have you in six of the next nine episodes. Just put you at seven out of ten, which would be a series regular, yeah. but we're not going to pay you series regular. you know. And I'm disappointed that I'm not going to be an equal with the rest of my cast, as opposed to being excited about uh, you know, this moment, finally yeah. being able to be like holding my own as a working actor and you know, being able to do what I love and make this number that I wouldn't normally make in a year still, yeah. right? That you in normally three months, would not make. I would make this number in a year, though. So right. what you're about to make in three months, you would make in a year. Still, yeah. Right. I would make that number. And in that's what you're saying you're disappointed about. Because I'm about to speak towards that, too. Yeah. Right. right. So so in a year, I would make, <laughs> you know, just for a second argument, let's say I'd make $80,000 in a year. You know, I'd have the potential to make this maybe in three months, right? You know? So it's a year's salary in a very short amount of time, right? And that's what I said I wanted. 
right? To be able to make that money doing what I'm doing here because I just love acting that much, mm-hmm. right? But now, you know, that rubber's hitting the road and I know there's the potential to make this other number in my now imagination or what I hear other people may be making. Pendulum now swing. it's like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh. That's, I, I had the same thing. When I got out of college, I was fortunate enough to be able to get $68,000. And I remember thinking, this is a that's more than what I wanted or what I thought I was going to get. I remember thinking I just wanted 60000 no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I God blessed me with more. Mm-hmm. And then after I got blessed with more, you know, I've had three years since I've been in my career now. And I'm in similar space while I transitioned to Amazon. I was able to get a really good bonus. But I wasn't able to increase my salary by much. Now mm-hmm. I'm 27. So my success of what I thought I was at 24, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like ahead of people for sure. Now I'm 27. I'm making a similar amount. And I'm like, damn, I'm falling. Mm. So I thought that because I had a lot of money at this time and at this age, now that I'm this age, I'm feeling like I'm behind now. Yeah. I'm not making that much. And yeah. so now I'm having this hunger to like figure out, well, how can I make money here, do mm-hmm. this there, you know, because I feel like I'm falling behind. That's you know what the crazy part about all of this? Mm-hmm. At least at least in my experience, is like I really thought about this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I remember the anxiety I feel every time um, I'm, I'm unemployed. I'm unemployed a lot now mm-hmm. because of the work I do. I make so much more money than yeah. I did, you know, as a medic and an actor. I make so much more money that I don't have to work year round, mm-hmm. right? So it's a privilege. But in those times where I'm unemployed and I don't know when my next job's going to come, right, I experience a lot of anxiety, right? And with that anxiety, um, I had to ask myself um, a couple weeks ago, it was like, bro, how many meals have you missed in your life? Let's let's take it all the way back. It's in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many meals have you ever missed? Bro, bro I've never missed one square meal a day. Ever. Blessed. If I've wanted a snack, I've always had. I mean, we weren't rich coming up, but I've always had whatever. Yeah. Snacks, food, meals, a place to stay, yeah. warm. You know, it may, not, it may not always be cool in L.A. because we didn't have air conditioning, mm-hmm. but I was always comfortable. Had a place to lay my head at night, all that stuff. Transportation, clean clothes, running water, the whole nine. Right? So... I'm anxious, but God's always been providing for me. Yeah. You know, throughout every everything. Yeah. So what am I anxious about? Why am I anxious? Yeah. I'm gonna eat. And now I'm gonna eat. My mother's gonna eat. My daughter's gonna eat. Mm-hmm. That's that's been the way it's been the last four years. Yeah. I've never missed out on nothing. I've never missed a bill. Yeah. To take it to the next step. Ever. <laughs> that's going back to that amount of ambition that we've discussed. Yeah. That is your plight. And yeah. your plight alone, the way that you feel about that. And the same with me. I'm going against nobody but myself in this concept of what I think and who I think I should be. And that's based off of me not being fully solidified in who I am already. Mm-hmm. Because if I was, I would, ab- I would be able to critically and consciously know the blessings I have in front of me and be okay with where I'm at, but yeah. know I want more. Yeah. Right. And it's not that. It's actually me not being okay with my what I, where I'm at and wanting more. And thinking that more that you're going to get is going to fulfill. And it's, I don't feel right. okay. And it's a constant chase. And it's yeah. a perpetuating cycle that's just ongoing. And it's you're like. Trying to fill up an empty cup. Man. Not an empty cup. You're trying to fill up a cup with a hole in yeah. the bottom. Straight up. Straight up. And it's how do you come to the. How do you get to the point, though, where you're that. Like, is it just this thing where. And this is, what, this is the one thing that I feel like I struggle with often. Why do I have to be old to finally realize certain things or come to a halt as it relates to a, 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 a thought like that? 
And I feel like that's everyone's constantly when you look at older men, it's constantly their actualization. Even when you That's their narrative because because the their 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 peers come yeah. to the same realizations at whatever ages, right? Yeah. But I know we've all been in conversations or relationships where it's like, Oh man, you you know, you you're mature for your age, or I thought you were older when I hear you speak, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. All that's relative. I think once as a man post twenty five, because that's when they say our brains fully develop. Yeah. I think post twenty five, you can you hit whatever depending on you, mm-hmm. right? But I think it's the idea that like none of this shit matters, bro. Yeah. Like to be on some Kanye West shit, yo, Mac Miller's dead vanities. right now, bro. Yeah. He was twenty six years old. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't know he was gonna die that night. You know when you know that situation happened. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so you can think about you can think of all the greats, you know, just artists just to make it just softballs to make it easy that died so young. But imagine like and I, I, I don't know. I talk about death a lot because I ain't scared of it no more. But just imagine that, you know, this is our last year yep. in theory. None of the shit we're talking about matters. Yeah. You know, money, homes, you know, your kids do. But, you know, family does. Right. But just all of these accolades that we want to achieve. None of it's important. Yeah. Because you know what it is? I, I feel like the reason why, if I if I really try to get to the depth of the root cause, what is important is legacy. Exactly. And that's what you're, right, legacy is important. And I think we have this belief that if I achieve these things, it adds to the legacy. Mm-hmm. But does it really, to your point? No. I, it doesn't. Because the legacy is defined by character. Mm-hmm. True, truly just character. And that's what and you know. The only way to pass character on are gonna talk about. They not gonna talk about you did this and mm-hmm. that. They gonna talk about who you were as a person and what you did that defines you. Yeah, right. You know what I love to see, bro. I, I told you about this, man. It, like, if I watch it, it puts me in tears. It's um, ah, oh God, uh, Stuart Scott. Stuart mm, Scott okay. the Espies. I think it was 2016, but I may be wrong on the date. He frat, huh? Man, he frat. <laughs> he's he's alpha. Oh, is he? Stuart yeah. Scott's dope, man. So Stuart Stuart Scott, as um, you know, many of you know, and some may not, um, he had cancer. Yes, um, a very severe, you know, aggressive cancer. Um, he wrote a book. Um, I believe it was Why I Fight. Oh, I need to read that. It's an amazing. Book. Oh, I need to read. That. It's amazing. But you know, I remember. I just remember specifically. I never forget this visual of him just you know speaking at the ESPYS, and um, I remember that too. You know, I remember him talking about his daughters. Mm-hmm. And I remember like them going to the crowd and his daughters are crying and just like the the way in which he's, he spoke about these kids. And then I remember watching some other footage of them talking about their dad, you know, and the words that they said about this man, you know, and that's yeah. part of what inspired the idea for me that the legacy is in, you know, what we're able to leave behind yeah. to, you know, our, um, our tribe pretty much. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's like my daughter, yeah. you know, if nothing else, this, you know, I want, I want to be known as a good father. And I want my daughter to say good things about me. Yeah. I want my daughter to say that my daddy gave me everything that I needed, right? Mm-hmm. And not material, but just like the time, the attention. We played. He put me in things. He helped me. Uh, Values. Yeah, he helped me grow. Yeah. You know, he, he invested in me. Yeah. You know, and I feel like, you know, we talk about my dad, for example, and the stuff that, you know, him trying to save these houses, whatever the fuck, like none of that shit matters. You had all these fucking kids, bro, mm-hmm. these grandkids. Yeah. And you're not like investing. You know, and that yeah. kills me, bro. Yeah, and see that, and that's why this podcast is important because we're investing back. Yeah. So when you can reflect on legacy of what you were able to do in terms of impact, this thing that you guys got going is probably the most amount of impact that you're able to reach the maximum amount of people that you've ever done. 
And I, I don't know about you because you're in acting, so you're actually possibly able to. It's different reach though because I'm not telling my story. Right, but yeah, nonetheless, I mean. like that, this type of stuff where you yeah. can create influence and impact on multiple people in regards to how you can grow, how you can develop, what you should think about, how you can make better decisions, how you can improve yourself, ethics, values, etc. That's pouring back into yeah. and investing on a whole different level that you're generating high impact and high influence yeah. on so many individuals and how you can develop and be able to uh, influence their way of thinking. Yeah. And I, I really liked what you had said on the la- one of the podcasts where you talked about like how you wanted to create a podcast in which you can just talk to your daughter. Yeah, even though yeah, you're dead. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. I never thought about anything like yeah. that. And, I said, and the crazy thing is this is it. Right. This is happening. <laughs> she's wow. gonna she's gonna re- she's gonna listen to this and be like, Man, my and my father was so smart. Yeah. He's such a visionary. He really cared. Like that's and she's able to have those thoughts and listen to this forever. I yeah. thought that was so cool. Yeah, I, I mean, got my answer. What's your, for what? I'm not gonna miss the birth of my my daughter, my yeah. son. <laughs> Based that's on that, answer, yeah, bro. that's the answer. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what it comes down to. Bro. Yeah, that's what matters most. Damn man, the back and wait. You ain't lie, man. <laughs> that's uh, like, yeah, just having this conversation now. I yeah. would agree, for sure. I think that that's so, man. That's so huge, dude. Yo, this is another episode of Helping Homies Win the Podcast, Tools for Lifting the Generation. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for rocking with us. Please make sure you subscribe. Um, that you drop some feedback, that you DM us, you hit us up, have conversations with us. Um, We love y'all. Peace. One.